welcome to Jag Bags, a discussion of all things pop culture. I am your summer host, Mike Byer. And I am the glistening Summerland. Oh, and welcome to the bronze and tan program. Uh, you are listening live from the home studios in Woodridge, Illinois, where uh, the crowd has just responded so well to our glistening comments. And... <laughs> Uh, or make it sound like animal noises were coming out. <laughs> well, we we inspire that in our studio audience and with the diamond listeners uh, as well. Uh, welcome to our recap episode. We're glad you're here. What a podcast chock full of expert content for you. And tonight we'll talk sports. We'll talk NFL. We're going to preview our NFL preview episode with some exciting announcements. We're going to talk MLB a little bit. Uh, uh, the um, races continue. Well, the races continue for one team. For the other two, I think it's pretty much over. Uh, so we're in full-on player development mode. Um, and uh, we'll also talk I Recommend, where Len and I will share something that we think you should share. And uh, we'll tell you all about it, um, whether it be a TV show, a movie, an album, or anything else. We are here to make your life better. Uh, and finally, uh, I will be going over Rolling Stone's top 500 albums of all time, counting down to number one. And so we'll have five more albums from that list uh, for my review and comment. And then Len will end the podcast with a bang, as he always does, with his favorite 500 albums, five albums from there as well. And um, and I will be passing judgment on all of them <laughs> and either validating or invalidating uh, Len's uh, selection. And we'll also compare it to the Dean of Music Critics, Mr. Robert Criscow. Um Bobby, as I like to call him. As we call him, like to call him Bobby. So quite a, quite, a, quite a program we have for you. Let's get right to it with news from the NFL. A new starter has been named in the NFL. And a challenge has been issued to Mr. Red Rifle, who is <laughs> softening, you know, probably going to all the massage parlors and... and uh, uh, restaurants in Charlotte. Uh, but there's a new sheriff in town, a little bit south in Tampa. None other than Mr. Baker Mayfield has been named the starter in Tampa and will most surely lead the Buccaneers to an inevitable collision in the NFC Championship with Red Rifle and the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> we'll be talking about that next week on the NFL preview episode with our NFL expert, Matt Byer. But um, what was your reaction when you heard that Baker Mayfield I wanted to ask you that because we talked about him a lot when he was on the Browns, but you never were down on him that much. Yeah, Baker. What do you What do you think is going to happen in Tampa? Do you think it's just a case of they're not a good team and he's going to struggle just because maybe the line won't protect him? I don't know a ton about Tampa. That's the thing. But I know they weren't that good last year. Yeah, and they made the playoffs. They still have Evans though, right? Yeah, he's a really good receiver, so he at least has one good target. The problem, and I think the offensive line wasn't terrible because Brady is like he was 107 years old and I don't know that he got sacked. Yeah, maybe they do have a good offensive line. A whole bunch. It's going to be interesting to see because Baker is I'm sure healthy by now because he hasn't really played that much and you know I the, the problem with Baker Mayfield began even when when he was leading the Browns to the playoffs and came within a fourth down stop of beating the Chiefs in that second round playoff game. I mean 
it wasn't like they got blown out. They were right there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think the knock on him in that season was that he was okay. He wasn't, he wasn't incredible. Um, but he, I, I didn't think he really hurt the team and his stats were pretty good. Yeah. And I, he didn't seem like he threw a lot of interceptions. He wasn't, he wasn't throwing critical, you know, rally killing interceptions. I call all. those cutlers. He wasn't cutlering it. Yeah. You could say he was cutlering it. And I think his problem, and so we came in that next season and the expectations were sky high. They were talking Browns as a legit Super Bowl favorite. And Baker, he didn't get off to the world's greatest start. And then he got hurt, hurt his shoulder toward that labrum. And I think where he went wrong is that he tried to play through it. He, he wanted to be the guy. He wanted to, they said, hey, you can go out there. You won't be 100%, but you could play. And he did that. And, he, you know, it just each game got worse. I think probably the injury never healed. Then Odell Beckham caused all kinds of problems for him by saying, you know, I'm open. His, remember his dad, his dad <laughs> released that video called Odell Beckham is always open. And it was terrible. It was all these videos of Baker Mayfield going back to pass and Beckham is so open and Mayfield never throws it to him. And that was tough. And uh, and then they they got rid of Beckham. So they, they sided with Mayfield. Um, but the season just ended so terribly for him. He just never recovered. Then they went out. Then they went out and they were like, hey, we got a chance to get Deshaun Watson. We we don't mind all the horrific publicity yeah. that's going to accompany that. Worth it so that we don't have to we don't have to rely on Baker Mayfield anymore. And I went to uh, a Browns game when uh, you know he was when Mayfield was struggling, and I felt like the crowd was still kind of behind him. There were no boos. Yeah, uh, that's that's why I wanted to ask you about it. Do you think he's got a shot to get his career going now? I think he. I think <laughs> that he does. I'm looking, I'm looking at the Tampa Bay's starters Godwin's not a bad receiver either so he's got he's got two good receivers I think yeah. I never heard of their tight end yeah. or, or their running back but I'm not the king of NFL knowledge so we'll talk I'd like I'd be interested in what Matt has to say about Mayfield because we've had a ton of conversations about Mayfield and the thing that would give me pause about Mayfield is that he went to Carolina and he had trouble beating out that quarterback there and, and not that Carolina is like an, an, some amazing football team but he had the chance to to really kind of set the world down. First of all, he had trouble winning the starting job. Mm -hmm. And it's not like he played all that great when he was in there, which makes you just wonder if he, you know, something's, you know, whether he's just lost the mojo. And then he was on the Rams real briefly. And it's not like the Rams were like, he must come back. We must have. But but he was he was never going to beat out Stafford. So yeah. I'm sure Mayfield was like, hey, I want to go someplace where I can be the, the guy. To his credit, now I don't know who the backup in Tampa is or who Baker beat out for the starting job. Um, but in his favor is that it's pretty early that he won the he did that's that's what i'm saying he just did it's like there you go you're the starter so he must have impressed somebody right or they're tanking would be the other <laughs> side how dare you sir <laughs> Uh, it's going to be interesting, that's for sure. I am skeptical um, that Mayfield will do anything, but I'd be happy to be wrong. I never had a problem. Well, let's ask Matt next week. I never had a problem. Well, I'll, talk, I'll talk about it on Matt Bags also. Oh, yes. That wildly successful show. Uh, soon after Michael B. Jordan, your all-time favorite actor, is... <laughs>
then you guys will talk Baker. Good, good comparison. Yes, yes. Matt is the Michael B. Jordan of podcasting. You said uh, I thought you said I was the Michael B. Jordan. No, I know. Mm-mm. I just heard that wrong. Yeah, you did. Maybe you said I was the anti Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> I was the exact. I said you were the Michael Mike Tyson, not the boxer. Mike Tyson, the former Cubs infielder of podcast. Hey, Tyson was pretty good. I'm looking, look, I'm looking at stats right now. <laughs> Yeah, how hurtful of a comment that is. Mike Tyson Cubs. Here he is. Look at Mike Tyson. Um, well, lifetime. Look, he had 3,000 lifetime batting average of uh, 241. There you go. There you go. I'm the two one hitter of podcasting. <laughs> That's Anyways, good. yes. All right, so uh, let's let's talk baseball. Let's talk baseball. Um, so the Cubs had a pretty. You went to Wrigley on Sunday. Mm-hmm. How did the Cubs look, and how was the crowd? The crowd was excited. What I feel like is happening now. They're playing these not so great teams, right? And they're squeaking by, which is not the best, but at least they're winning. Mm-hmm. As long as they keep winning the series, they won two out of three against the Royals. They split with the White Sox, but it's two games, and they won three out of four against the Sox. I will take that any year. Right. Three out of four against the White Sox. They won the first game against the Tigers. Uh, tonight, Smiley got shelled, so we lost. That hurts. Yeah. But if we win tomorrow, I mean, you can't, I mean, no matter how bad the team is, it's it's tough to sweep a team, but they you, you need to win tomorrow. Yeah. Gotta stay ahead of it. What's helping them is the Giants are losing. So the Giants keep falling down. Unfortunately, Cincinnati and the Marlins are winning right now, so they don't make it tight again. Oh, and Arizona. Arizona was under 500, and now they're four, four over. Yeah, they're hot. The Cubs play them in September, and the Brewers are super hot. And the Brewers, the Cubs play the Brewers on next week because they play. I forgot how they play after. Um, when they play after the Tigers. I think they play. Oh yeah, they play the Pirates four games, and then their schedule gets hard in September. It's a lot of good teams, so they gotta do well. They gotta win tomorrow. They gotta hopefully win three out of four against Pittsburgh because then it's the Brewers, Arizona. I think they play. They play a couple other good teams. So the, their Achilles heel though is their pitching, like these close games. Like Sunday, Alzelay gave up a run in the ninth. I think there was another game he gave up like two runs in the ninth. And we won both of them, but against a good team, that's not that's not gonna work. Yeah. And losing Strowman's a big blow. That was a big one. There's like a rumor that he he didn't get hurt playing baseball, that he, he was doing something else and fractured his hip or whatever this weird injury is. So that's not good. It's uh, yeah. We need one of the I mean Assad's been really good. Yeah. But Smiley or Wishnevsky, maybe they put Wishnevsky in after Smiley had another bad outing. Right. Maybe they put him in and make Smiley a long reliever because he gave up two homers to this guy. He's got nine homers for the year. So something's got to something's got to get fixed there if the Cubs are going to make it. I'm looking at the standings <coughs> and the schedules as you were talking. They uh, the Brewers seem to have they're they're on a they're on a hot streak. They're super hot. The Brewers right now. And so, but the Cubs are still three and a half back. So that's not totally. But it, it's crazy how their schedule lines up. Yeah. Brewers, Reds, Giants, Diamondbacks. <laughs> two division rivals and two people that are in the wild card race with them. So that that, that is that, that is, is tough. tough. Yeah. I mean, they get the Rockies and the Pirates again too but then they then they get the Braves who are a great team and they finish up with the Brewers so it's a real gonna be, gonna be a stressful September which is fun it's a yeah. real dogfight for those two spots because you've got they're all within a game of each other for that what for those yeah guys. I mean the Phillies are playing great so it's gonna be I mean unless the Phillies fall back to earth but they've they've seemed pretty strong the Phillies have been playing well so it'd be Cubs Marlins Reds Diamondbacks Giants that's gonna be the battle for the two spots and they're all like right there 
there. They almost have the, like all those teams you mentioned have almost like the exact same record. Yeah. And the Marlins are the only team we're not playing. Right. Out of all those. The Braves are 81 and 44. That's, that's, uh, that's very good. Um, wow. I'm, that's, uh, uh, I feel good with my baseball expertise to tell you. That. <laughs> That's good. Good record. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, yeah, I mean, the closest team to them it was Tampa, but Tampa and Tampa's been hot again, and the Orioles are playing well, and the Dodgers are always going to be there. They're playing well too. So, uh, but it does seem like Atlanta's running away with it. It doesn't. You said Tampa. You meant who? Who do you mean? Miami? Oh, I was talking about best league in the majors. Oh, best best record. Yeah, oh yeah, best yeah. Record in the majors. No, it's in the National League only. You've got Atlanta, and then the Dodgers. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And the Brewers are pretty far behind those two. But I feel like in the past month, the Brewers and the Phillies have played very well. No doubt about it. What's crazy to me is that if you look at the run differential of the Brewers compared to the Cubs, the Brewers' run differential is plus nine, yeah, which is just okay. The Cubs are in second. Their run differential is plus 64. Yeah, because the Cubs have games where they just can pound the other team because they have a really good offense this year. Yeah, that's the better. Brewers can win a game two to one because they got all that good pitching. That's uh, that's better than the Cubs run differentials better than the Phillies. Pretty yeah, crazy. I mean, it's like today before the podcast, I was keeping my eye on the Cubs game and they were down three runs, but I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay attention here because Bellinger's up. So Bellinger, of course, hits a double and Swanson drives two runs in, so they're only down one. Because those two guys, there's something, Bellinger's obviously playing like an MVP. He's unbelievable. Swanson's stats don't look great, but I feel like he's always in the middle of these rallies yep and it's I always it's like because they're they both have won a world series yeah they know they, what they, they've been on these great winning teams right and there's just something about that something about that confidence and that I, makes you makes you perform in the clutch um and i think that this team is unique in that or, or it's unique for them them because well swanson's been like a leader type but bellinger has always been one of many in la here he's the guy uh in chicago like he is the in that lineup he feel it feels like he's the mvp candidate he, he, he is like the top dog yeah and if he didn't get hurt new. if he didn't get hurt he would he probably have a shot at it and that's I think akuna's got it wrapped up though because he's the best player in the best team yeah but it, for the cubs is what i'm saying no but i know i know you have to say bellinger and that's a new feeling for him and he, it's cool to watch him respond and take on that kind of you know like i'm the guy kind of i role. expect him to get a hit when everybody's <laughs> It's like, oh, good, Bellinger's up. That's he's that kind of thing. Yeah. But they also the other thing besides the pitching, which I'm worried about, is Ian Happ's got to go down in the order. You know what? I'm tired of your character <laughs> assassination of Ian Happ. He's hitting 240, Eve. Yeah, his, but he's, but he's getting on base a ton. Yeah, but Candelario is better than him. He should be batting third. Or and honestly, Bellinger should be batting third. No, Bellinger get Bell get Bellinger up in the first inning. Bellinger's great. All all they have to do is get have one guy get on base and Bellinger's coming up. I'd bet him third. I, I He's awfully comfortable at the four spot. Yeah, really? I mean, there's that because you, you're like, do you want to move him when he's having such a great year? I, I get that. But that's with success. So you would I say, would take Hap out of the three spot for sure. And replace him with Candelario's hitting 270. 
70. He hits a lot of doubles. He, he hits more homers than Hap too. So why is Hap batting third? I don't I don't understand. Because here's why Hap is batting third. Because Hap, if if you look at those numbers, those <clears throat> OPS and which is on base plus slugging percentage, I think Hap's OPS is higher than Candelario's. No, it's not. Candelario's on base percentage is 354. Hap's is 358. Hap's, so, Hap's is 360. I'm looking at the box score from tonight. Caps is 358. Candelario's is 354. So so that's advantage half. By four <laughs> Minimal. Still. Put Candelario at, at the three spot. Or Bellinger. Hap's agent. Hap should be batting six or seven. Hap's agent is going to be calling you soon. <laughs> Uh, to voice, I, I don't, I don't like having Hap up there that high. Uh, what about switching Hap with Horner? No, Nico is a good two hitter, a traditional number two hitter. I was talking about that a week or so ago. Like, how many teams have their best hitter bat second? Yeah, because for a while that was the thing. Like Chris Bryant bat, was batting second for a long time for the Cubs, but mm-hmm. I feel like they've kind of gone away from that. <laughs> I feel like that's not the norm anymore. I think that was a, a stats thing. There's like your best hitter should bat second. Weren't they having less managers seem to step away from? that now they're kind of going back to the traditional ways like Bollinger's is a traditional from when we were growing up he'd be the traditional cleanup hitter which is where he's batting right in Ross's lineup right so tonight uh, it was yeah Horner's batting second half third because Swanson was hitting second for a while no Swanson Swanson's kind of been a little lower for most yeah, of the year but I, I I thought he started out second in the order maybe maybe he did but Swanson's good where he is this is a contentious jag bags <laughs> But Nico, traditional number two hitter. He can spray it all over the field. Good base dealer. He'll do whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. So I like I like him batting second. And he's pretty consistent. He doesn't seem to get into big slumps or anything. Right. That, that's. But I would like to, like I said, I'd like to see Hap drop in the order. Hey, 238, he's hitting. Ugh. You just don't like Hap is what it, I think Hap, um, you know, we, you were at Mashwaters and Hap complained about the service. And then he might have said uh, a thing or two that he didn't mean to the maitre d' and word got back to you and probably got twisted on the way. Next thing you know, uh, you know, Hap is a a loser. (laughs) Well, I mean, I like how you can strongly defend this outstanding 238 hitter. Hey, Hap, only uh, only Talkman and uh, only Talkman and Bellinger get on base more than Hap. Oh, yeah. Value. I think batting average. I'm not saying bench him. I'm saying put him down in the order. But I'm saying you want a guy who gets on base near the top of the order. But Candelario's on base percentage is almost the same as his. And Candelario gets more hits. And Candelario has more extra base power than half. That's my reasoning. Let's examine Candelario's <laughs> stats, if I may. Candelario is having a great year. He is having a great year. And he has 117 hits this season. Hap has 105. All right, fine. 12 <laughs> hits more. Whatever. I I, I think, uh, you know, the, Candelario has been playing great since he's gotten over to the Cubs. And he was playing well before he got in the Cubs. He's been good all year. He really has. But he is hitting only, in the Cubs uniform, and this is only 18 games, he's hitting 350. Yeah. He didn't make it out the first two games. <laughs> he's like eight for nine. <laughs> it's, so. a, it's a, you have to give Jed Hoyer all the credit on this one uh, picking up that deal it was a really terrific deal for them yeah. um, 
So, uh, so you'll go with Horner over half as the other. Yeah, mm-hmm. just uh, the way they're setting up the lineup. Yes. Well, you've defeated me with your just you know your 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 incessant uh, you know, stats and numbers. And but for me, Hap has the eye test. Hap passes my eye test. Um, now we'll see if uh, Rossi takes your suggestion and drops Hap down in the uh, in the order. I have a feeling he's not going to. I think Ross is a loyal guy. And unless Hap goes like 0 for 20, I don't think he's going to do anything. I don't think he's going to change anything. Oaken said that Hap is, uh, he gets crazy hot for like two stretches of the season. And then after that, he's not very good at all. What's your reaction to that? Do My, you... I thought last year Hap was consistent all year. Mm-hmm. But just that one year, last year. Yep. All the other years, he went back, he got demoted to the minors one year. Because mm-hmm. he does, he gets in those slumps. And last year was the one year he put it together. But this year, he's, I mean, he gets on base some, but he's not good enough to be a three-hitter. Tonight, he went 0 for 4 with a walk and two strikeouts. He did score a run off the walk in the 8-6 to loss to Detroit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Horner was 0 for 5. So they, they they both are looking to bounce back in the next. Um, should be. Uh, well, you you go to Swift and Sons tomorrow and watch the game, and we'll talk about it next week. I've got my private booth at Swift and Sons where <laughs> Swift and his sons both know me and uh, so that is where i will be once i'm back from milwaukee uh, bring beef his burger and his kombucha <laughs> and in my cheesecake please <laughs> his cheesecake <laughs> uh, i heard you got a little frosty there because one of the waiters brought you your, you your cheesecake and they're like beef are you sure you want this yeah so, can you believe the temerity of that yeah, I was like, ask me that question and i said yeah. how can you ask me that question i said bring over swift please <laughs> go back and get swift and the waiter said the waiter text Texted me later. He's like, Beef's been here 11 days in a row. <laughs> cheesecake 11 days. I'm just concerned. Uh, I space it out, and uh, my diabetes is well under control. <laughs> All right. Well, the waiter's name is Walton, so please don't get him fired. <laughs> I will not have Walton's job for okay. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll tip him tomorrow. Okay. Great. Great. Even though he avoids my table. Uh, <laughs> Rightfully so. Yeah. Uh, should we move on to, I mean, Guardians, they, they beat the Dodgers tonight, which is crazy, but I think they're in full-on player evaluation mode. You know, the, the I will say that Francona, you know, when you're losing, the manager takes heat and Francona's taking heat. Um, he's taking heat for, it seems like a lot of things. And I think a lot of, of this season is beyond his control. He's had, he's trying to win with three rookies in the starting rotation. Um, he's had a couple of injury key injuries uh in the lineup as well Naylor's been out Naylor was having a fantastic year and uh he's hurt um you know those free agent signings did not pan out so now they they tried their their uh late season acquisitions were Loriano from Oakland who's got a gun of an arm but he you know he's hitting 210 and uh Cole Calhoun from the Angels who's playing pretty well but he's like the guy's like 36 years old he's not a part of their future so he's trying to win with these and then a bunch of kids hits and um they're all very highly touted minor leaguers and they all need playing time but there's going to be growing pain and right now the guardians are six games under 500 even with the win tonight and francona's taking heat just for various decisions you know late inning uh you know bringing in relievers not bringing in relievers pinch hitting with guys not pinch hitting guys why are we playing cole calhoun when we need to have <clears throat> these young guys and see what they can do francona is effing all this up and to that i say this francona has been the man 
manager for 11 seasons. If the if the Guardians finish under 500, this will only be his second losing season in in 11 seasons. Bless you. Thank you. Uh, Len is allergic to my Guardians count. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that's all right. Uh, Walton is texting me a remedy that. <laughs> Thank you, Walton. And uh, I think that if you had any other manager, the fact that, he, that he's got this team, and he's got this team, he's got these players, and he's got this team like a shade under 500, I think any other manager, and they'd be the Oakland A's or the Kansas City Royals, where they're trying to win with guys that young. Yeah. I, I think it's one of his better jobs. I don't, but, you know, fans are dumb. And uh, and you just hope the front office won't, will retool and give him another chance. Um, but he's not the Oakland pop- is 35 and 90. Right, right. Right. And the Royals, I mean, that's a young team. They're playing a lot of like young guys they think could be good, but they're a long way from contention. And, uh, you know, that, and that's the nature of when you play young guys, you just got to take your lumps. So I hope they don't fire him. But that would be a serious mistake, in my opinion. No, yeah. Ridiculous. And and the Guardians, they feel like every year they just they trade a guy they shouldn't trade before a deadline. The Twins are only four games over 500. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's frustrating. It's got to be frustrating. It's like the white flag trade. Remember when the White Sox. Yeah. They did all their guys and they were three and a half back. And, and Reinsdorf made the famous quote that said, anybody who thinks we can catch Cleveland is crazy. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, you're three you and mean the back. Grand Rapids White Sox? Yes. The, That's oh. where they're rumored to be moving to. That's the latest rumor. Grand, Grand Rapids, Rapids or Dubuque. <laughs> the Dubuque Sox. Possibly Baton Rouge. Uh, <laughs> uh, Elkhart. Elkhart, Indiana. Uh, they could support a team in Elkhart. Elkhart, Indiana. Where uh, Good friend uh, Tucker Curtis. Oh, is that where he lives? <laughs> yeah, Elkhart. He could mow the lawn for the uh, sacks. There you go. Uh, there. Uh, we'll switch up, Tucker. The less said about uh, the sacks, the, the sacks with established veterans, uh, their record is not much better than the Kansas City Royals. So, <clears throat> truly disgraceful what's happening there. We didn't even talk about the Morel game. Oh, we forgot about that. That could have been a lot worse if we didn't win that game. That's the thing about baseball. It's pretty incredible how, in with one swing, an ugly law, a potentially ugly loss turns into like the highlight of the season. But, and of course, who, who started who started that rally? Cody uh, Bellinger. Who got on base after Bellinger? Swanson. Yeah, the two winners. The two guys, the two winners. Yeah. And the night before, the Sox closer was mowing the Cubs down. Yeah. And then the same guy. And I think Morel had two strikes on him too. But yeah. those are the type of games that give you so much confidence too. Like, we can still come back. We've done it before. We got all these confident guys. And you just hope to pitching whole time. They're going to need it. They're going to need it. Um, you have to say that was the highlight of the season. It's tied for me. Mm-hmm. The Talkman catch. Anytime you beat the Cardinals when your center fielder <laughs> that was makes a spectacular awesome. catch. That was pretty awesome. You beat the Sox with a walk-off and you beat the Cardinals with an amazing catch. Those are, they got to be tied. They got to be tied. Kind of a, a walk-off grab. That would be a good poll. We should put that out. Uh, oh. There you go. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that right now. See what see what the responses are. Yeah. Uh, anything else on baseball? As no, that's Let's move to the WNBA uh, right now. If I look at the WNBA standings, I see that the Sky are no longer in the eighth spot, although they did win their last game. The Los Angeles Sparks are on fire. They've yeah. won four in a row now. Yeah. Including beating the Aces. <clears throat> so the Sky did beat Seattle. Tonight. They, tonight. they desperately needed that one. Had to have it. Yeah. Mabry was the leading scorer. Oh, no, excuse me. Off the bench, uh, Dana Evans caught fire. Four for six from downtown. 23 points, 
eight assists. That was uh, that was uh, all the uh, Sky needed. They crushed Seattle, and yeah, like you say, had to have that game. So the Sky now move on, and they will play uh, the Aces. Oh boy, at home. Um, that's tomorrow night, or sorry, Thursday night. Then they go on a West Coast road trip. They'll go back to Seattle and then down to LA. That LA game a week from tonight could be big um, because if they are playing with that eighth spot on the line, because uh, you think that the Sky are probably not going to beat Las Vegas, uh, although stranger things have happened. They need they need a couple upsets if they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, they got to beat a couple of these good teams because, like you said, the Sparks won four in a row. So yeah. they need they need something to get back in position to uh, get that eighth spot, which is sad because it's just going to make them lose in the first round to the Aces anyways. But yeah. I'd still rather they at least make the playoffs. The but they had, before before they won tonight, I had written down that they were bottoming out because that's what it felt like. They'd lost five in a row. Copper has not played well. No. Mabry is inconsistent. Everybody's going to bring up Mabry nonstop because I, I, Wade traded so much to get her. Yep. And she's just not that level. She's she's a good player. She's not an all-star. It's interesting to me that uh, lately Evans has been getting a little more playing time. This was the second game in three nights where she was a leading scorer. So well, um, Evans is a player that if like I'm on a Chicago Sky page on Facebook mm-hmm. and people are always yelling about Evans, but Evans doesn't get it done all the time. Right. She has games like tonight where you're like, wow. And then the next game she'll be like, oh, for four. Yeah. So that's th- the problem. It's like, she's not another not consistent. Yeah. The consistency is missing. Well, the sky are running out of time. That's the other problem is that they, ha- they have exactly seven games left on the schedule. They have seven. That's it. Yeah. So, yeah. well, what it's going to be hard. Yep. Um, but the playoffs this year, I'm excited to watch. I'm hoping it lands how it should. Aces Liberty Finals, because I would watch that. That's what I'm hoping for. The Liberty beat the Aces twice in a row, and then the Aces came back last week and beat the Liberty. And Asia Wilson tonight tied a record, 53 points. She scored 53 points. <laughs> so wow. Yeah, it's. I think that series will be great because I feel like the Liberty kind of figured them out a little bit. Yeah. And so then you- the Aces, the Aces came back and said, "All right, we got to beat them this time." Right. So I, I, I really feel like that'll be a really good competitive series. Connecticut's a fun team to watch, so I, I would, I'd watch them in the playoffs too. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, there's, um, you know, it's not just the Liberty and Vegas. Um, you know, the Connecticut's only two and a half back of the Liberty, so it's not like they're. Totally- yeah, Aly- Alyssa Thomas is a great player. Yep. Bonner's really good, but I don't think they have enough firepower. Right. I think they're a good defensive team. Alyssa Thomas is one of those players who does everything. She's like a triple double threat every time. Yeah. And she has no shoulder. She like flips shots in. <laughs> the other thing, statistically, statistically anyway, Connecticut allows the fewest points per game in the WNBA. Yeah, that's that's why they're number three team because of their defense. Yeah. But I don't think they have a third scorer that can help them in the playoffs because you're even if you're good defensively, you're probably not going to be able to hold down Wilson, Plum, Jackie Young, and, uh, Chelsea Gray, and or Stewart and Ionescu. You're not those. They're going to score. Yeah. So you're going to need to match that somehow. Even if your defense plays fairly well, they're still probably going to score 80 points against you. Right. So where are you going to find that offense? That's that would be that's the problem with Connecticut. But yeah, it, no matter what, even if the Sky don't make it or they lose in the first round, I'll still watch a good amount of it, I think. Um, well, should be a... Uh, it's it's right around the corner now. Yep. So it won't be long. And uh, so hopefully there's time for the Sky to get hot, but like it's kind of got to start like Thursday night. Like a seven-game winning streak would do it and get them in but I don't know I, 
five, a five game winning streak might not, <laughs> no, especially with the way the sparks are playing though. So, yeah. Um, yeah. They, yeah. They just need to win and then everything else will take care of itself. Just got to win these as many games as possible down the stretch. Storm, sparks, fever, links. They got to win all four of those. And then they got to either beat the sun or the fever. Yep. And that might get them in, but they got to, they got to beat one of those good teams. I think. I think so. And that would help their confidence. Yeah. So I've faxed them saying, just start Evans. I've now taken up. Oh, so it's you who's always on Facebook. <laughs> I'm taking the, the, I'm taking up the cause of Dana Evans. And now <laughs> Evans will lead us to glory. Evans will make you, everyone say Courtney Vander who? And, uh, uh excuse me. <laughs> Blasphemer. How dare you? How uh, dare you? Listen, I am a Chicago Patriot and I want the sky to make the playoffs. Len is completely disgusted with me. <laughs> shook his head and uh, texted Regency. I said, how am I expected to work under these? <laughs> Completely ridiculous. Thank God for Matt bags and <laughs> Margaret bags and Morgan bags. Morg bags. Oaken bags. Oaken bags, yes. Jamal bags. Uh, it's just everyone bags. Yeah, Jamal, Jamal's an up-and-comer. So <laughs> He really is. <laughs> uh, back on. Watch, uh, watch our upcoming episode with him. We talked about the t- television series The Wire, and uh, that's a good one. So keep it here for that. Um, that'll be coming in a few days after this one. So watch for that that's going to be a good one and uh, then Len will seal the deal on Jamal bags with him where after which uh, they will begin their 50 city tour with uh, the cast of Smartless so <laughs> that's the plan that's the plan we're I got gonna be the opening, we're going to be the opening act for Smartless and blow them off the stage yes yes I also saw the memo that you and I will be touring uh, the uh, uh, Mohegan Sun Casino uh, we're the morning act not a bad gig not a bad gig. That's uh, that's about that's about where we're that's about where I rank. I see it. <laughs> I see the hierarchy. In other words, Ron Ron said he's going to get us a nice room. Yeah, well, Andrew O'Herlihy will have something to say <laughs> about my accommodations. <laughs> Rest assured. Uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway. All right, why don't you do your I recommend? All right. I am going to recommend a restaurant because we Ooh. just went. Uh, Swift and Sons? I, it, it is. Uh, it would not be Swift and Sons. Or it normally would be Swift and Sons. And I do recommend Swift and Sons. <laughs> uh, and Swift and Sons really should be a. Ask for Walton. That's my. Yeah, it really should be a. for Swift and Sons. For, uh, no, I. Um, the. Uh, restaurant i'm i'm recommending they're called it's called community tavern and it's on milwaukee avenue 4038 north milwaukee avenue it's literally down the street like a few doors down from the old portage theater you know where that is in the six corners neighborhood uh, i used to walk to portage theater when i was a kid yeah it's like a few doors down going towards irving and uh there's some nice things that are opening up in that area um you know that old sears that was there is gone my brother worked there jc worked there yeah, that's uh, they've got a brand new building going up there, and there's a few restaurants that are going along that Milwaukee Avenue corridor. There's the Junebug Cafe, which has great beignets. Beignets. Um, there's a um, place that serves uh, boba tea. They're trying to get that going, and then Community Tavern. This restaurant's great. Uh, Four zero three eight North Milwaukee, and uh, they describe their food as uh, C 
seasonal, local, Midwestern ingredients with Pan-Asian influences. And mm-hmm. yeah, the food's really simple. Um, we went there uh, for my birthday and... Um, Beef turned 77, everyone. I turned So wish him a belated happy birthday. 77 years old. You know what? They didn't have cheesecake, <laughs> which is a major strike against. <laughs> but I told Chef Joey... <laughs> know what the only thing missing from your uh from this juggernaut restaurant is uh just maybe uh, a little cheesecake and yeah. he said, yeah, just uh that the uh the suggestion box over there is over there mr mr buyer um but yeah they've got uh you know just kind of like simple uh you know fair you can get a cheeseburger and fries what did you eat uh i got uh roasted carrots delicious and then i got the bibimbap bibimbap which is basically rice with a bunch of vegetables and then you can pick your um, choice of either um, you can pick your choice of either steak or chicken or tofu and uh, it's a little spicy but pretty good yeah they have noodles you can order like a rainbow trout you can get a pork uh, kind of a pork uh, loin um, if you're a vegan or vegetarian they got tons of uh, offerings there and the desserts they do have while uh, and I'm sure it's seasonal so I'm a cheesecake probably could come back on the uh, menu they do have <laughs> chocolate chip cookies baked alaska coconut cake anyway it was it was tasty and uh, i'll go back there in a minute uh again community tavern and they got all kinds of like if you're into the signature cocktail stuff and the mixologist they've got all kinds of fancy cocktails as well uh good indoor seating the service is friendly you can sit outside as well we sat out is uh slatterson still the bartender there slatterson yeah uh slatterson was fired for uh what he was uh got a little snippy with the uh customer so uh, they, wait was it you well i you know listen i just gave him some suggestions and i thought i thought were helpful the next i thing would I, like you to go through one birthday without getting someone fired just well, you know uh slatter and i said i know it's your special day but just relax i told slatters and i said need i bring up the example of walton as what can happen uh the, ask it swift and sons about me hey okay. go down to wrigleyville and ask about me uh slatterson was uh responded with some non flattering comments and uh, <laughs> but I've I've referred him to uh, I'm on a restaurant scuttlebutt page and they're just tearing you apart right now <laughs> I I have referred Slatterson to the management at Swift and Sons as a peace off and uh, said uh, I know an excellent dishwasher I can't believe you got Slatterson fired listen maybe he should take my suggestions and uh, not make unflattering comments about my hair very sensitive about my hair uh, yeah you, I, you really respond to flattery about your hair I, I know that's why I like Hap. He bought me drinks at Liquor Box and said uh, that the new haircut was working for me. And now I'll... Oh, uh, he called you the quaffiest, I heard. He did. And I said, I'm going on Jag Bags because Len is not a fan. And uh, <laughs> Hap started to cry. So I uh, comforted him. And uh, I said, I'll put in a good word for you at Jag Bags. Len's, Len's going to drop you down the order. So... <laughs> He was very worried about that, I'm sure. Uh, all right, what's uh, what's your I recommend? I got two. Okay. I'll probably have some books next week, too. Oh, nice. I have one book and I have a magazine. My book is kind of a big deal. Mm. I saw Austerlitz, and it's all about the making of Anchorman. Oh, awesome. And I love Anchorman, so I ate this up. I read it very quickly. Some good behind-the-scenes stories. And what I also like, too, is later in the book, he'll talk, he talks about Step Brothers a little bit, Anchorman 2, and 
and very really quickly quick read and it's called kind of a big deal kind of a big deal the only the only tiny issue i have with it is he makes he has like a little little bit of an analysis where i'm just like you don't need that yeah yeah a couple of things he said I'm like yeah you don't need it but yeah. i really enjoyed it i definitely I, think it's, I don't even think it's out yet i think it's it might be out next week oh, okay if it's not out now it's out next week you like books about the making of like a certain movie like you know, yeah i love that i love behind the scenes stuff yeah yeah really good it'll be in my top 10 for sure oh wow kind of a big and deal. my other i recommend is the magazine the atlantic oh. the july august issue it has a really good mel brooks interview judd apatow does the interview oh nice great great and then another article about baseball saving itself about the pitch clock and all, and which i thought was especially interesting because i went to the game with henry on sunday yeah and he kept commenting on how fast the game was yeah because uh, henry's not a baseball fan he just goes for the fun of going to wrigley and being in the city right and he seriously said that to me like three times yeah and game the game lot, ended right? i think before 3 30 it was right. super short it was like a maddox game with the old rules maddox would be the only one that got you out of there that quickly right and i kind of missed the longer games though when you're actually at the game you gotta wonder if like the concessions people can't be too happy about these shorter games because that means fewer beer sales less food uh yeah they they can't they can't be too happy about it yeah they have to hope for like rain delays and and things like that and i think they stay open later too because i got something like in the eighth inning because you're so used to it you almost have like your old routines right you're like all right i'm gonna get a hot dog early and then maybe i'll get an ice cream or something later and then later now is <laughs> oh shoot the game's almost over we noticed that uh jesse commented on that too we went to the guardians game and uh and she commented on that she was like it's the eighth inning already awesome yeah and it's working i guess and theo epstein was interviewed and no theo epstein said which was especially damning about like a year or two ago he said like if the, when the cubs well, i don't know when he left the cubs but he's like i'll watch the other teams in the postseason when the cubs were done and he said sometimes i'd start channel surfing wow and this is a guy this is his career is baseball yeah and he's like something needs to be done yeah but it's working the games are shorter and i guess if you're watching it on tv it, it's pretty good on tv because if you're home on a weeknight a game starts at seven and you're done with the game by 9 30 great before the game might not until 10 10 30 you got to get up early for work or something or your kids if you're trying to make your kids baseball fans now they can they don't have to stay up that late to watch the game so i get that but i i kind of missed a longer game because really such a great place to be especially when you have a nice we had a nice day on sunday sure you're sitting there you're just enjoying yourself and all of a sudden the game's over yeah you want to savor it a little more that's the i know i know that i'm probably in the minority on that but i i i miss it a little bit you know i was uh thinking about those 2016 and 2017 baseball playoffs and just each game just felt like you know you're just like <laughs> oh my god you know i <laughs> It's, it's just like uh, just four hours of tension. Yep. <laughs> so now that you'll be interesting to see how the playoffs go, because it was just like you had to psych yourself up. You're like, I can't do this. I can't keep doing this. <laughs> I can't live and die with every pitch. I'm you know, I'm not going to make it. I'm going to expire. Yep. And uh, so yeah, it was hard. Um, so the, the, the shorter playoff games, that'll be interesting to watch. Yeah. Um, but that, yeah, it was, it was a good article. They also had two book reviews of books I'm going to read. One is, I am homeless if this is not my home by Lori Moore and the other one is Be Mine by Richard Ford so it was, a, it was a great issue I love Richard Ford July August Atlantic yeah his, his did you ever read the sports writer or any of those yeah I read the, the sports, sports 
is the final. This is the final one. Okay. Yeah. He's it's called Be Mine. Yeah. He's a good writer. Yeah, I like him. I like his stuff. Um, but I'm trying to, my deadline for my books is the end of the month. So I'm reading like crazy. This one. <laughs> Cue the reading montage. <laughs> <laughs> Turning the pages. Putting the books back on the shelf. Another one. What was that book about? Never mind. Next. <laughs> Oh, the excitement. Man, that is a ultimate montage coming soon. <laughs> a TikTok near you. Um, all right. Anything Anything else on? No, that's it. Okay, move on. It's the moment everyone has been waiting for. Uh, even Bobby Christgau has been uh, twittering or Xing or whatever about uh, what will Beeve say next in the Rolling Stones Top 500 Countdown. Wonder no more. Let's get right to it. Album number 84, ACD. DC back in black. Uh, this has Hell's Bells title cut. You shook me all night long. Shoot the thrill. Uh, let me put my love into you, babe. I don't know what that song is about, uh, but I'm sure that it's a um, well. I'll figure it out one of these days. Um, but bone crunching, straight ahead rock, uh, produced by Robert John Mutlang, and it was the first album post the death of Leeds singer Bon Scott and uh it's just amazing that that happened yeah that he died and there was like all right here's an album that everyone will buy I mean uh it was uh I remember when that came out and it came out right you know what to me is interesting because it was the time that Led Zeppelin put out their I think their last album Coda so Zeppelin was you know no more Sabbath had splintered so you had Ozzy you know coming out with his first album and Sabbath responding with Dio and heaven and hell and uh and the most successful out of all those albums was back in black which yeah. sold eight gajillion copies and i think is still selling uh today i see a lot of acdc shirts like younger people yeah i mean it's it's pretty straight up it's pretty timeless if you think about the music of acdc do we, what do you think about this they're they're uh placing at 84 um i i think this is about right i think uh it's definitely belongs in the top 100 <laughs> I mean, it's a huge album. Yeah. I like it. I do too. What's your favorite song on there? Well, you know, for the longest time, it was Hell's Bells, just because it's such a it's such a cool beginning. And, um, you know, it just kind of builds and builds. Also love Shoot the Thrill. Love Shoot the yeah, Thrill. That's a great song. It's a jam. But I don't think there's That's one bad, I, gonna say. I don't think there's one bad cut on that record. You know, I'm not, I'm still kind of tired of Back in Black, the song. Well, yeah, I mean. And I'm a little tired of Hell's Bells. Yeah. But I can listen to You Shook Me All Night long again you can and you should be on the night long was probably the one that i played the most back then but i feel like nowadays I hear Back in Black and Hell's Bells more. Oh, really? And maybe even Shoot to Thrill, because Shoot yeah. to Thrill was in a couple movies, and I think we even talked about that on our ACDC podcast we did. I think we did. Yeah. Um, I think Vanderbeek was involved. Was that the episode that we just started talking Vanderbeek? <laughs> I think so. By the way, uh, my daughter and frequent uh, podcast guest, Jesse Beyer, uh, has lately gotten back into Dawson's Creek, and, oh. and every time uh, Vanderbeek comes on, she's just like, <laughs> oh, he's in Insufferable. 
And then, you know, uh, you know, Vanderbeek kind of struts around and does his little, you know, oh, we're so jaded. What happened to our innocence? And she's like, shut up, Dawson. And uh, <laughs> no, hostility to Van Man. I'm a sucker for high school shows. I like to watch the first season of any high school show. <laughs> what is it about? Just, you know, just the, the, the little dramas? I don't know. I was I was thinking about this a few days ago, too. I just identify with that stage, I guess. Right. Maybe because when I was in high school, I went to a Catholic high school, all boys. So I didn't have like a normal high school experience and have like the traditional type of one sure and so you like to watch i didn't it. want to be there <laughs> like, <laughs> i don't care what i look like there's no women here there's no <laughs> girls here so maybe that's part of it i'm more curious about it because i didn't have that i didn't have like makes sense every day here's my uh <laughs> here's my romantic triangle with katie holmes <laughs> and <Michelle> Williams. <laughs> yeah well probably all guys are like god why couldn't that be me you know i can't uh i can't well i do I'll, I'll i'll watch them then eventually like all right no more Um, well, we got from ACDC's Back in Black to Vanderbeek and Lens High School Days. It always, <laughs> it always gets back to Vanderbeek. It really does always get back to Vanderbeek. Uh, album number 83. This is a surprising choice. It's an album that I really like, but they have it at number 83. The album is Dusty in Memphis yeah. by Dusty Springfield. I have this album and uh, in fact, listen to it and it's good. It's got Son of a Preacher Man, which is a fantastic song. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, there's a few songs where the lyrics are pretty good, like, you know, they, you know, are pretty um, kind of like racy for the times. Um, but the music, and she's got a great voice, and the music is pretty, you know, soulful. Um, but there's no way this is the 83rd best album of, of all time. They're just not even, it's not even close. I could see the argument for it being in the top 500, but this high, no way. No way. I mean, yeah, the only really well-known song is Son of a Preacher, man. Right. And I see... I- I mean, I think she's influential. I think she gets treated with a lot of respect, but yeah, it's 83 is pretty surprising. I, you know, maybe 383, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a lot of albums that you're saying. They're saying that this album is better than Plastic Ono Band. They're saying it's better than The Doors' first album. They're saying it's better than Bowie's Hunky Dory. Yeah. Just for, they're saying it's better than After the Gold Rush, Darkness on the Edge of Town, Jimi Hendrix acts as bold as love. Uh, that's just where I'm just going off the top of my head and so just no way no way although I will say that it is better than Taylor Swift's Red please forgive me Jesse uh, (laughs) or my blasphemous comments Um, yeah don't see the big deal with Dusty and Memphis that said it's a good album so if you don't have it you should get it Um, yeah it's not like it's not a good album exactly exactly Uh, which brings us to album number 82 now this is my controversial take of the week the album is called There's a Riot going on and by Sly and the Family Stone and uh, it's probably best known for Family Affair but it's also got Running Away Thank You for Talking to Me Africa and um, you know everybody was like oh this album is going to be amazing and it's basically just him on like a drum machine and uh, <clears throat> muffled vocals so it sounds like uh, under it sounded like the whole thing was like a demo almost and uh, and every and this is always been a critical darling from the moment it came out everyone is like this is a classic this is his masterpiece I don't see it I I, I just don't see the big deal I think Stand which was album four is 5,000 times better and uh, I even like the uh, the two albums prior to uh, Stand better than There's a Riot going on hmm. and there's an album that followed 
there's a riot going on and I'll get that in a second. I thought that was better. Um, but this this album seems to be the um, uh, kind of the gold standard. And I know I'm in the um, uh, I know I'm in the minority. The album is called Fresh, the album that came out after There's a Riot Going On. And it's really good. Really good. So um, this was kind of the beginning of the end for him anyway. Um, and I think just the drugs and all the problems he was having were taking its toll. Um, but this is uh, I and does is it a top 500 album even it's not my top 500 it really isn't and I have this this is one of these albums that's like oh this is a critical favorite oh your record collection is incomplete without it I'm sure Robert Criscow gave this an A plus 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 Um, Grail Marcus, another super famous Rolling Stone music critic, he said, this is Muzak with its finger on the trigger. I'm like, I don't get it. I, it really wouldn't make my top 500 at all. And I love Sly and the Family Stone. I don't remember. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure I listened to it when I did mine 11 years ago. Before the pandemic? Yeah. yeah. But I'm more of a greatest hits Sly and the Family Stone. Not because I don't want to hear all their stuff, but that's that's what I've listened to most of their greatest hits. Yeah. But I feel like I- just from reading what Rolling Stone said about them, this and a Dusty Springfield, it's that other thing. Like, you're like, oh, he's talking about how the 60s have failed. Sure. And Dusty Springfield, she's talking what you said. Like, she's talking sexually frank and just things that aren't just about the music. So that's that's why they're there, I guess. Yeah, for impact, maybe. Yeah. yeah. But I I mean, if you told me these two albums were this high, I the Sly and the Family Stone one, I don't think I would have been too surprised about. But the Dusty Springfield one, I would have been. Briscoe. Uh, Chris Gow gave There's a Riot going on A+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> no surprise whatsoever. <laughs> Um, I will say that uh, There's a Riot Going On and Dusty in Memphis are better albums than the one at 81, which is Beyonce's album just called Beyonce, released in 2013. And I'm, you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Her music is good. I don't, I don't understand why it sells a bajillion copies. I don't get the appeal um, other than that, you know, she puts on a high energy live shows. Um, and force of personality too helps. Force personality i'm sure uh but the music i don't hear it mm. and uh and i tried again i listened to this album and i was like i'm i'm giving it the i'm giving it the once over and you know my stance on her has not changed i'm like this is fine but i'm not like oh my god this is the 81st best album ever made no well walton texted me and said you had headphones on at swift and sons but he said you were kind of half-heartedly listening to this was he was he did he say that i was just like after every song I just stick out my arm and give the thumbs down uh, signal after. What's that? What's that guy sitting over in the corner doing? He's just. He said you had your headphones on. Your cheesecake was in front of you, and you were clipping coupons. <laughs> look, I, look, I'm about efficiency and delicious dessert. So you thought you could have given it more of a full attention listen. That's all he said. But Walton, Walton's in the beehive. So yeah. Well, Walton doesn't understand that I'm trying to save money and live frugally. So um, no, I don't apologize for uh money conscious behavior even at swift and sons mm-hmm. where i normally come correct uh, you know i'm really i i don't mean to be so down i wonder if like it's the top 100 and like i'm like okay these are universally accepted albums no, I, I see it i see it and uh if you're in a top 100 of all time should be a great album should be great albums 100 album top 100 ever ever all right what's your take on the sex pistols never mind the bullocks i love it i love it too do you agree that it's should 
it's it's a do you consider it a top 100 album of all time? Yeah, I think so. I, I think it's good. I think it's good all the way through. I think it's influential. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's no doubting its influence. Mm-hmm. This was a and it's it's funny because I remember the first Rolling Stone magazine I got. I was in high school and they put this album number two all time. Yeah, Sergeant Pepper number one, Sex Pistols number two, Exile number three, and I think it, I think Jimi Hendrix uh, Are You Experience was number four. And I think Plastic Ono Band was up there too. I think Plastic Ono Band was in that top ten. So all these guys have dropped down. Yeah, and now they're saying Plastic, but they're still putting Sex Pistols ahead of Plastic Ono Band. I don't think I think Plastic Ono Band is better than Nevermind. I think they're both great. So agreed. I would put, I would probably put Plastic Ono Band above it, but just because the Beatles. I mean, they're yeah. I've been with the Beatles forever. You know what I mean? You feel like that extra yeah. attachment to the Beatles, right? I would put Nevermind the Bullocks at like top two hundred. Mm-hmm. Let's do some super quick pickets. <clears throat> Pick it this album or the Ramones first album? Sex Pistols. Really? Yeah. I may I might agree with you, but it's close. Well, I know how you'll vote on the Clash. <laughs> So we'll, uh, <laughs> even though I think the Clash, uh, even though I think London Calling is better than, I think London Calling is better than, even the Clash is, uh, uh, give them enough rope, I think is better than this. Anyway, I'll get in a lot of, a lot of controversial opinions. Um, so I think that, uh, I mean, I think that it's, what was the movie uh, about uh, Joy Division? Bolster? Um, yeah, and and uh, it uh, started out with the Sex Pistols concert and there were only 10 people in the audience. And then they went through the audience and everyone was like a super successful uh um you know producer or recording artist and one of them was the guy from Ian Curtis from yeah Joy Division and so there's just no denying the influence of, and uh it's an album that'll be talked about you know forever um and those are my albums so I'll have five more next week as we the numbers get smaller and uh I think I'm going to be just taking a quick look no I'm I'm on board with uh four out of the next five I know the one you don't like so yeah I'll have I'll have good things to say most of the time next week yeah all right i am done with my all right my 500 favorite albums i'm up to number 280 oh man the good news is well the good news for brad underwood he gets two cds this week oh man because i've been having ron ron take care of this oh so this week ron ron took the three cds i had and there are two more but alex randomly showed up (laughs) and i guess i hadn't warned ron ron about alex always the wild card when alex shows up. Alex grabbed the two CDs that Ron Ron hadn't taken care of yet. And where, where did they go? Brad Underwood, of course. I think Alex misinterprets your instructions, but he just it, it, I didn't give him any instructions. I wasn't even there. <laughs> well, Al, you can't blame Alex for initiatives. <laughs> so the first one Brad Underwood gets is number 280 Closer, the best of Sarah McLaughlin. Oh. This collection came out in 2008 and will now be a staple of Illini basketball practices. I was going to say I can just hear Brad Underwood now really psyching himself up and the team with Sarah McLaughlin's best. Because uh... <laughs> this is what he's going to be saying. Because you're working, building a mystery, holding on and holding it in. Yeah, you're working, building a mystery and choosing so carefully. Smart words to say to your college Dude, Yes, especially like Coleman Hawkins. I don't like the way that you're coming off <laughs> uh, screen, the down screen and roles we have working for you. Maybe some Sarah McLaughlin will help you um yeah so this has got billion mystery possession hold on sweet surrender adia world on fire the live version of i will remember you it was number 11 on the charts one thing i was surprised by i thought she had more charted hits 
Because hmm. I've heard a lot of these songs on the radio, but her two biggest hits were Adia was number three and Angel was number four, but she only had three other ones, Billy and Mystery, Sweet Surrender, and I Will Remember You. But I'm like, how do I know all these songs? It's just, I was, I was a little surprised by that. I thought she was bigger. Yeah. Maybe it's just when Lilith Fair was going on, you heard more of her stuff. I don't know. I don't know. Because I don't, I don't think she's like an XRT. Maybe she's a little bit XRT, but she's, she's a little more mainstream, I would think. Yeah. But I enjoy her. Uh, Robert Criscow does not share your good thoughts. Yeah, what does he say? He calls her a singer-songwriter of monumental banality. Oh, okay. He is, he's really, uh, but he doesn't, this isn't for uh, Closer, it's for one of her other albums. He only reviewed one of her albums. What album? Surfacing. That's like her biggest album. Yeah, gave it a C minus. So Bobby doesn't have much to say. I don't, I don't think, I disagree. She's got dark, like Possession, that's a dark song. Mm-hmm. Her lyrics are pretty good. I, she's got a really good voice. I love her voice. Very lovely. Yeah, I mean, to say something, that's just like lazy. That's lazy criticism, Bobby. <laughs> I don't think you're really, I just think you felt like saying something nasty so people would respect you as a critic. You know, Walton, as he was making his rounds, he did uh, tell me, he said, well, you know, I just saw Len and uh, he was uh, um, he was uh, texting furiously to Bobby Criscow, just saying, why don't you lay off the Sarah McLaughlin? <laughs> Lay off. Do you have a favorite song of hers, Beef? I'm really not. I, I I have to say I'm not familiar with Sarah McLaughlin other than the big hits. So mm-hmm. I have to. I'll have to give that album a whirl. I re- I really only know Arms of an Angel and I Will Remember You. Those are the only ones. Yeah, I, I will remember you is my favorite. Yeah. I prefer a studio version. And it was in the Brothers McMullen, which is a movie I really like. Yeah. Yep. I can't Anyways. say I'm, I'm familiar with Sarah McLaughlin. I have to have to be honest. And it maybe it's not. I always think of I always think of uh, March Madness when I hear. Sarah McLachlan because when they canceled it in 2020 I was playing her downstairs <laughs> Laura was laughing because she's like uh oh I think she even wrote on Facebook Lynn is playing Sarah McLachlan because they canceled the tournament <laughs> <laughs> it was merely coincidence but yeah. she did soothe me with uh, her Canadian beautiful voice <laughs> she was uh, she was definitely uh, um, she was basically providing sucker and and acceptance in a time of extreme extreme distress on your part so right right, uh, right. my next one which brad underwood didn't get number 279 oh please we've talked about this on the madonna podcast our <laughs> shockingly popular madonna our wildly influential <laughs> Podcast. Everybody wanted to hear what me and Beef had to say about Madonna. We are the ultimate bards when it comes to Madonna and her music. One of our most popular ones. So this is number 279, Ray of Light. Came out in 1998. There's nothing left to try, Beef. There's no place left to hide. There's no greater power than the power of goodbye. So it says power of goodbye. The underrated Swim. When I was listening to this, I was like, Swim is a really good song. That's not one that gets talked about too much to find this album. Yeah. Nothing really matters. Ray of Light, Frozen. This album was huge. This I was I knew it was popular. I didn't realize how popular. Frozen hit number two in the charts. Ray of Light hit number five. Power of Goodbye number eleven. It was her seventh album. It got like universal critical acclaim. So not only was it popular, but all the critics liked it. Won four Grammys, including Best Pop Album. Uh, Sixteen million copies. Crazy. That's like close to when we were t- remember when we were talking about Alanis Morissette and Metallica. This was like that one. Wow. Did you think it was that? 
that big? I didn't. Well, I yeah. know it's pretty big. I mean, it's Madonna, but I, I, I didn't think it was. I mean, her stuff always does well, but this one really knocked it out of the park. Yeah. And uh, the title cut won a Grammy for best dance recording, and it was like a worldwide hit. Like everybody bought it, and all over the world, it was uh, number two in, in the U.S. and it was number eighteen for nineteen ninety eight. And I guess she was really what I read about it was she was really specific about what she wanted because she went for like two or three different people that wanted to produce it and she's like you know what I don't think that's exact she knew exactly what she wanted in herself. Mm. and her instincts were great because you can't you can't do much better than this yeah everybody every critic likes it and everybody buys it you can't you can't do better than that every critic likes it except oh Bobby didn't like it gave it a honorable mention he gave it a one star honorable mention but that's praise for him yeah so he basically said it's a worthy effort consumers attuned to its overriding aesthetic or individual vision may well like. <laughs> He's such an ass. <laughs> he really is an ass. <laughs> what a uh, condescending jag. But we uh, are still, uh, he's still the uh, barometer, I suppose. <laughs> I like this album a lot, and uh, yeah. I think it's, I to me, it's an A. Yeah, it's really good. And, yeah, I listened to it a lot when I got it, and it very to it, I'm like, yeah, that's really good. It was I very gotta, different. Listen to it more. Very different sound for her, and it's almost like kind of a like a Eastern kind of East India kind of you know these like trance kind of you know it's not like traditional pop, very adventure. Yeah, and I that was the appeal of it. I think. Yeah, she. I mean, she just was on it. She was. She was there for the right moment for this album. Agreed. Which is why a lot of people have respect for her because they think she is attuned to those kind of things. Yeah. She knows what's the right trend or, or whatever. <clears throat> That's why she's had such a long career. Yeah. Okay. My next one, number 278, which also will be featured at Eli and I basketball practices this year, is Keep Moving by Madness. Came up in 1984. Yeah. The quiet fellow follows and points his finger straight at you. He had to sacrifice his pride Yes, throw it away. And all I wanted was a word or photograph to keep at home. All I wanted was a word or photograph to keep. That is the song called Michael Caine. Have you ever heard that song? I have. That's my favorite song in the album. And I thought it was just about Michael Caine, but apparently it's about an IRA informant. <laughs> so, yeah, they're kind of like, yeah, yeah. And if you listen to the music, you're like, what? That's what the song's about? Because <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and all I wanted was a word, a photograph. And you're like, and then it goes, my name is Michael Caine. <laughs> but then I'm like, what? <laughs> And I always laugh because uh, I always think of Dan Lapke because he, he doesn't like Michael Caine. But this is, I, I played this album so much when I, I had it on vinyl. The title cut's really good, Keep Moving. One Better Day was kind of a minor hit. Yeah. Uh, Wings of a Dove and The Sun and the Rain. Love both of those songs. And what I didn't realize either, they had an American version and they had a, a British version. I had the American version. And I'm like, I was looking initially, I'm like, where's where's Sun and the Rain? And where's, yeah. where's Wings of a Dove? I'm like, oh, oh, American. American version. That's what I had. They've been around forever too. I think yeah, they're together. It, it's a great album. And what's it? So you figured the album before this had Our House on it, which was a big hit, Huge top hit. ten. And there was another song that did fairly well too. But this album did better in America, even though it didn't do great. It was like number one hundred nine. Yeah, but it did better, and maybe it was because people liked Our House. Yeah, and so it, it, ready it for the next album. Yeah, but it's it's really good. Are you a Rolling Stone liked it? Rolling Stone gave it four out of five stars. Yeah. 
and the ba- the band general public does background vocals on two of the songs. Yeah, they're huge in the UK. Yeah, they, I mean, I thought they were bigger than this, but you know, they didn't. Maybe because our house was such a big success, I thought they did better in America than they did. Yeah, but I have I love that out al- this album, and I also have like this greatest hits, and it has like a ton of songs on it. I listen to that a lot too. I enjoy the madness. Enjoy, keep moving, Brad Underwood. I hope it inspires the Alina. I wonder if Brad Underwood likes ska. He probably does. <laughs> He's like, guys, I'm going to put on Michael Caine, and you need to make 10 free throws in a row before you can leave practice. That's right. All I wanted was a word, a photograph. All right. This album is great. This is number 277. Oh, please. Pronounce Leonard Skinnerd. Oh, please. 1973. Talk about coming out blazing. Yeah. Debut album. Mama told me when I was young, come sit beside me, my only son, and listen closely to what I say. And if you do, and if you do this, it'll help you. Some sunny day. Oh, yeah. Come on. Simple man. <laughs> <laughs> I used to did you do you ever go to Brigadoons with us? <laughs> a couple times. I used to play that in jukebox all the time. I mean, monumental jam. Tragic mm. tragic end. Yeah. Simple man. Hot Tuesday's gone. Free bird and gimme three steps all on the same album. Yeah. <laughs> Our friend, Bobby Criscow, gave it an A. But of course, he had to put in a little condescending comment. He called them a staunchly untranscendent band. Like, this is a great album, but they're not transcendent. Shut up. (laughs) It hit number 27 on the charts, double platinum. I mean, just just Freebird alone. I feel like that song is going to last forever. I agree. It's it's such a great song. I'm almost offended that people made a joke about Freebird for so long. Like, stop. stop. Yeah. I feel I mean, like if you're, this is like the Skinner album to get if you're only going to get one album. Yeah. I feel like the only, you're missing a couple. You're missing like, what's your name? I like Ballad of Curtis Lowe a lot. That's not on here. But man, amazing. Yeah. And uh, that's that as good a debut album as, you know, as you. Yeah. Can, it's, can it's, it's it. yeah, it's fantastic. Oh, Sweet Home Alabama's not on there either. But I, I still am not ready to listen to Sweet Home Alabama anymore. Really got uh, Right. Right. Tough, tough one. Also, when you watch the um, any concert footage of Leonard Skinner, that is tough because they have a huge Confederate flag that they just yeah yeah. Buy. So I, I was, I was just watching that. that, and you're just like, oh. I was saying that yesterday when I was listening to it. I was like, they'd probably be voting for Trump right now, wouldn't they? <laughs> Major <laughs> strike against uh, these guys, but who knows? Yeah, they might have changed. You know, it's funny because I, I think I talked about the Almond Brothers uh, documentary uh, like a month or so ago, and they talked about Skinnerd mm-hmm. and talked about how you know they were made the point that they were not racist um, and tried to explain why. And the Almond Brothers, the Almonds had, of course, uh, you know, black band members, mm-hmm. um, and then they and then I was like, okay, I'm. I'm with you, I suppose. And then they tried to make the leap to Skinner. And I was like, you know, not with that Confederate flag hanging in the background. Yeah. Uh, that just kind of undermined your case right there. Right. Uh, right. So it's too bad because, like you said, the music for the Skinner album is nonstop jam. Mm-hmm. Nonstop. Yeah. I mean, Simple Man, Tuesday's Gone, Freebird. Right three there. Three of the greatest songs ever. Right there. I love all three of those songs. Yep. All right. To finish up, number 
1976, the very best of the Lovin' Spoonful. Please. I think, I think the I album I had was actually called like So Far, yeah. Lovin' Spoonful, but I couldn't really find the exact one. But this is pretty much what it is. Mm-hmm. Their greatest hits. And this one, this compilation, I think, came out in 2004. But Darling Be Home Soon, I couldn't bear to wait an extra minute if you dawdled. My Darling Be Home Soon, it's not just these few hours, but I've been waiting since I toddled for the great relief of having you to talk. That, of course, is Darling Be Home Soon, great song, been covered a million times. Yeah. I found out it was written for a failed Coppola movie called You're a Big Boy Now. <laughs> but there's so many great songs in here. Do you believe in magic? Great song. Summer in the city. I you didn't can't. have to be so nice. Did. Did you ever have to make up your mind? Rain on the roof. Awesome. And they they were rolling. 65 and 66, they had seven top 10 hits. They were as big as anybody. Summer in the City was number one. Daydream and Did You Ever Have to Make Up Your Mind were number two. They just missed being number one. So they were rolling for a while. And yeah, and it's it's like a specific kind of, you feel like it's from the 60s. Right. But it doesn't feel like dated, if that makes any sense. Yeah. There's like an energy to it, I guess. Because I, I mean, like I said, the songs I mentioned, it's just, I always enjoy listening to those. And I think I had the original Greatest Hits album that I was talking about on vinyl. That was another one I listened to a lot when I was growing up. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and then they just kind of disappeared and they were gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 just weird how that happens sometimes. I, I mean, and again, it, it's probably just because they were in an album band. Right. They had these great hits, but they never really, you're never like, oh, didn't have a Sgt. Peppers or yeah, anything, they, any album you can think of. They didn't, even though they had all these hits, they never had something that I got to go out and get this Love and Spoonful album. It was, that's, people were just probably buying the 45s. Yeah. They never could make that leap to like serious artist like album. Even though Johnson, John Sebastian's a great songwriter. Yeah. He kind of disappeared too. Then yeah. he's like, let me know when Cotter gets made and I will make my comeback <laughs> well, and you will welcome me back wink wink to that same old place that you laughed about that's a great song by it the way. is it's a great song great yeah. song yeah. but that's it for me these are good ones before and- we go i'm going to try to get walton to be on our next recap episode walton i forgot the name of the other guy who got fired but i'm gonna try to get him walton and slatterson Slatter- yeah, Slatterson's working. Next this. recap, Walton and Slatterson will be I'm here. I'm taking care of Slatterson. Don't you <laughs> How could I forget Slatterson? My apologies, Slatterson. But, you know, I think uh, uh, the, the rest of the Chicago is very interested in my battles with the weight staff of uh, the, the north side. <laughs> Beeb is burning all his bridges as he prepares his move to Cleveland. <laughs> I, I, out, out, I say. I got to write their names down. Yes, please keep us posted on Walton and Slatterson. Also, Alex made a comeback, so good to hear from him. He, I thought he'd disappear. Oh, like you didn't know who he was. Come on. <laughs> we want to thank you. You were written all over it. <laughs> but I really wanted to listen to Keep Moving on CD. Yeah. Damn you. Damn you. Uh, we want to thank everyone for listening uh please subscribe to us we are available wherever fine podcasts are found just click that subscribe button uh google us just google in jag bags podcast up we appear and click on that link click on subscribe and you'll get two outstanding podcast episodes delivered to your device twice a week we're also on the social medias we're on instagram we're on facebook we're on twitter check us out there drop us a comment or two or three if there's a topic you want us to 
to want us to cover, please do let us know. If we pick your topic, we will send you a Jag Bags t-shirt. Uh, that might have been the original source of the Slatterson disagreement because I offered him a t-shirt and he might have said a few things uh, that uh, can't be repeated here on this family podcast. <laughs> Not appreciate it. Uh, so uh, anyway, don't make Slatterson's mistake. Uh, find yourself jobless. Get your Jag Bags t-shirt uh, post-haste. Uh, uh, Len shakes his head and mourns poor Slatterson. <laughs> I will say goodnight. Thanks for listening. When you're ready to listen, put a little Jag Bags in your... Yeah, Slatterson. Yep. <laughs>